Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Mike's on. He's ready to go. On the fan. New York Sports Radio. Mike's on. Mike's on. He'll get you the sports any way that he can. It's Mike Francis on the fan. Hi, on this May 19th, we come your way right up until 6.30. you got Yankee baseball on the fan tonight with John and Susan as they bring into the Yankee victory uh, from days gone by, from halcyon days gone by. And uh, we'll be with you right up until 6.30. Casamigos Tequila, as always, brings you the program, brought to you by those who drink it on this Tuesday evening. Not a bad day today as we head towards Memorial Day weekend and we get a glimmer of hope that sports are starting to move in the right direction. Not going to be easy, though. You heard today about the Belmont, which will be run on June 20th, odd. And when I heard first from uh, one of my uh, partners, horse partners, uh, from Leon Slater, that uh, Belmont was going to be, we knew Belmont was opening. And we've been moving horses around trying to race them here, California, Kentucky. It hasn't been easy getting horses races and stuff. Not an easy time for trainers, for owners, and stuff like that. But, hey, no one's complaining. It's just, it's just not an easy time to get. You know, you're bouncing around a lot. But we know Belmont's opening without fans. So they decide to have the Belmont. When I saw the Belmont on the 20th, I'm like, wow. They're going to get... What I said was they're going to get nobody in the race because nobody's putting a developing three-year-old in a mile-and-a-half race on June 20th. And they know that. So I then heard after that that they were racing the race at a mile-and-an-eighth. Makes sense. Folks, I'm sure they didn't want to change the distance, although in years past they had talked about changing the distance. It's weird that the third leg will go first. But remember, the idea is your horses race – a mile and an eighth. They run a mile and a quarter for the first time on Derby Day. And then they go to the Preakness. They run a mile and three sixteenths. And then they decide whether they can, if they are running for history, they're going. But otherwise, they decide whether they want to take the test of a champion, which means they're never going to run another race at a mile and a half on the dirt. It's not going to happen. It doesn't happen often. There, first of all, there are very few tracks that can have that race. Secondly, Belmont is, a mile and, is the only mile and a half oval in the United States. There is no other oval that is a mile and a half. Tracks are usually a mile around. Belmont is a mile 
and a half round. So it's once around the, the, the dirt track for, for the race. It's a very unusual race. It doesn't happen. So the bottom line is if you run your horse on that, you lead him up to that, and then you have to give your horse some time off and then start to reshape him and retrain him for the rest of his career. To do that first, to start and run in a mile and a half and then cut back would be impossible for those developing three-year-olds. It would, it would, it would, most of them wouldn't want to try it. Most of the good trainers wouldn't even want to take their horse in that, in that way. They wouldn't want to do that because you're going to have to put stamina into them and put a little different uh, training method into them and then back them off that. Uh, so now that it's a mile and an eighth, it's a stepping stone. It's exactly what it should be. It's a mile and an eighth. And then that will lead you up to the other races. So you will get the Triple Crown contenders. I'm sure the New York bred Tisdalaw is going to run there. uh, And the other good horses are going to run there. I'm sure Baffert's going to send his horses there. And then they will tackle the other races of the Triple Crown based on how they're doing in the summer. The Derby, you know, when it's supposed to be run. So they will run it on June the 20th. It'll be a welcome card that day. Who knows? Maybe we'll do a special show. They've already asked me if I'd like to do a special show from home. Maybe we'll do that. Uh, you know, we'll load up some racing sponsors and do some different things. And I'll get Brad up and, you know, I'll have some fun. I'll get some trainers on and uh, get some people on. We'll have a little Belmont party that way. Maybe we'll do that on Belmont Day. Uh, so that, and then we'll have some predictions for you for all the races. Maybe I'll have Brad with me the whole day and let him just, uh, or for a couple hours and let him pick all the races for, for you too. And we'll have some fun with that. We'll come up with a way to do it. So we'll do that maybe on the 20th, uh, on, on that June 20th, because we can't be at the track anyway. Uh, that's the way it is. This, this year so we'll we'll do the best we can with it uh, for you racing fans um uh so that comes your way in a couple of weeks on june the 20th so something to look forward to this weekend you obviously are moving towards the golf which at least comes your way this weekend where you'll have tiger and phil and the two iconic quarterbacks squaring off uh in their uh match from medalist best ball and alternate shot, nine holes, nine holes. And obviously they've already locked up $10 million for charity, and they'll do better than that. But they're starting from that point. And uh, it'll be Tiger and Peyton Manning and, of course, Phil and Tom Brady. Uh, that is the matchup uh, coming this weekend. So a little more sports there, a little sports here, Belmont opening here. Churchill Downs is already open this week. Matter of fact, uh, the weather's not great. Uh, we're running, uh, we're bringing one of our, uh, our horses back uh, this week, Casa Creed who you last saw him winning that grade two at, uh, at Saratoga last summer. Uh, we obviously had alternate plan, alternate plans with him and we obviously are still doing that. The weather doesn't look great for this week at Churchill, but, uh, he'll run in an allowance race coming up in two days. So, uh, we'll look forward to that just to get him back on the track. And, uh, again, that race might not even stay on the turf or the turf might be soft. I mean, but Hey, these are what you live with. These conditions are, are like that right now. On, earlier on, uh, radio.com, uh, last hour, I had Jason Stark on from the athletic talking about where baseball is and baseball's in a very tricky place right now. They have a lot of work to do in a short amount of time. And there is a, Really a underlying animosity there between the two sides. See, they've been itching for a fight for a long time. But what they have to realize is that they can't have that fight this year. 
They can't have that fight this year, not in this climate. They will rue the day they did. And that's going to put a lot of pressure on the powers that be here, on, the, uh, on both sides, on the owner side, on the player side. It's going to put a tremendous amount of pressure on them in the weeks to come here if they can't get a deal done. Safety concerns are one thing. Economic concerns are another and they are really, they have some issues on safety to work on. They are at loggerheads. Now, remember, baseball and the owners agreed a while ago, take this money, $170 million for April and May, and then we'll pay you the money for the rest of the year. It can't happen now. They didn't know they were going to be playing under these conditions. So now they can't do it because if they open up, if you're a team that's, got a payroll in excess of, say, $130, $140 million, you're going to be losing a lot of money this year. These owners don't want to do that. I, don't think, I think they understand they're not going to make a lot of money, but they don't want to lose a lot of money. But what happens is you have the other side here is you have the agents filling the players' heads with, hey, hey, you don't share in when they make a ton of money and when the franchise they bought for $120 million goes for a billion eight when they sell it. You don't share in that. So you understand some years is not great for them. Some years when they make a ton of money, they don't come to you and give you more. So you don't have to share in the losses when they have a bad year. I understand the premise. It's not a bad premise when you're looking at things over the long term. But they both have to understand that they have civic responsibilities this year. To to those who a lot is given, a lot is expected. And that means there are certain times where you have to understand, hey, I get it. This is what the country needs. This is what the city I play in needs. This is what the fans need. Okay? And the owners have to say, this is what my TV partners need. This is what my broadcast partners need. They need me to come back. So we'll make this deal. Some of it's semantics. The offer of splitting the revenue 50-50 doesn't sound bad, but when you're talking in those terms and it sounds like a salary cap, that's fighting words to the players. So you have to couch it the way it needs to be couched. There has to be consideration in both sides of the negotiation, but both sides have to realize that they are playing with fire here because they will get not only just absolutely destroyed from the media and from the fans, and from the public. But the sanctimonious and phony politicians will see that as an easy layup win in election year, and they will play it for all it's worth. What better way than to scream and yell about baseball coming back and these rich owners and these rich... Can't lose. It's a no-loss position. You take the fan stance, you take the city that they play in stance and demand they come back. And you know what? It's a home run position in an election year. And they're going to jump on it. They know that. They're going to be hearing that loud and clear. So they are in the next couple of weeks, if they can't come to some kind of agreement, and you have to feel that they will because you just can't understand that they would be dumb enough to let that happen this year. But if it does, they will rule the day it did because it will, they will pay for it for years and years to come. And yes, you know what? Baseball plays a special role here. People will feel different about where America is the day baseball's back. 
they will feel like more of a sense of normalcy when on a Sunday afternoon there's a baseball game playing on the radio. No, you can't go to the ballpark and take your kid to the ballpark this year, okay? Sorry, that can't happen. It's a strange year. But you can still sit down and watch the game on a Sunday afternoon or a Friday night or listen to it in the car on a Saturday afternoon. And just that constant companion that baseball is. Baseball is woven into the fabric of everything this country does, every bit of the culture. That's what baseball is. That is its role. It can't shirk it. It can't run away from it. It has to embrace it. If it doesn't, it will, it will really wish it had, I think, for a very long time. This is a place where baseball can't make a dumb, bad move. If the owners and the players are that greedy and that short-sighted, they will pay for a long time. Back after this. All right, we're back. Uh, take you right up until 6.30. They have a, Susan and John have a Yankee-Indian uh, playoff game for you this evening as they take you through another one of those uh, crazy days. They wrapped up the... Jordan documentary yesterday, and I thought for the most part, I know people are trying to examine everything about Jordan's life and say, oh, we didn't see this, we didn't see that. Hey, I thought overall it was well done. I thought there was some really good storytelling in there. I thought the Steve Kerr stuff with his father was really well done. The stuff leading up to Steve Kerr, you could see what Steve Kerr was all about, even when he joked about making the shot and everything. I mean, you could see that he had some depth to him. You had the saga of uh, of that game six that, that night, obviously, where, you know, uh, Pippen was just so limited. What What you can tell in that game is that Jordan really – got very tired. He took 35 shots that night. He, ha- he wore down, but he had to do things that he normally didn't have to do. Pippen couldn't handle a ball in that game. You know, if you look at a Pippen box score, it's got, you know, almost every night, it's got 10, 12 rebounds, 9, 10 assists, 4 steals. That night, Pippen was in and out of the lineup. He played 25 minutes. He took 7. He was 4 for 7 from the floor. He had 3 rebounds and a couple of assists because he never had the ball. He couldn't even handle the ball. He was just a decoy the whole night. And Kukoc did a good job that night. He went 7 for 14 in a game where it was tough sledding. He did a, he did a very good job. Um, Ron Harper came up with a couple of big baskets. Rodman made a couple of uncanny uh, buckets in that game. Um... The one thing I will say about it is it was painted as if, as if, and, and I, we lived that pretty closely. We went to most of those games. And listen, his ability to hit big shots at the end of the games is legendary. He was great at it. There's no question. He was going to take the last shot. Most days he would make the last shot. That's what he, that was his greatness. That was what he was. That's, that's who he was. And as I've told you many times, it didn't matter if he, he was going to score his 35 points. It didn't matter if he was, you know, 12 for 18 or 12 for 35. It didn't make any difference. He's going to keep firing it up there no matter what. And if he missed a whole bunch of shots, so what? He had games where he missed 20 shots. It didn't make any difference. He had games where he made a lot of shots. It did, none of it mattered. He was going to do it. And that was it. The one thing he didn't have was he didn't have Pippen in his normal position on either end of the floor in that game. 
They couldn't even use Pippen as, the, as a double teamer on Malone late in the game, which would have been his role because of the fact that he couldn't move. So it was a great finish, and what he did on both ends of the floor in the last, you know, the basket, the steal, the basket. It's unbelievable. But they almost made it seem like every game had a saga to it. Not every game has a great storyline to it. Some of them are just final games. You know that? They have good endings, bad endings. Not every game has a saga to it. And it almost seemed like they tried to make it seem like every one of these games, even games that are, you know, 96-54 have a saga to them. No, they don't. They're blowouts. They have a saga to them. They ran him out of the gym. It happens. It happens in the finals. Teams get run out of the gym. Hey, I remember the, I remember the Celtics uh, in the Memorial Day Massacre running the Lakers out of the gym, and four days later, the Lakers came back in one game two and won the series in six in Boston Garden. I was in the locker room as they were uh, ducking champagne corks. They were popping them all over that little locker room in game six. And they got run out of the building in game one fashion like I never saw a team hotter. Guys like Wedman, the second team for that, you know, that was a great deep team. And yeah, Bill Walton on the second team. I mean, that, that team was, unbel- you know, was, was unreal. Uh, and yeah, Wedman, I think Wedman went eight for eight in that game. The bottom line is uh, they ran him out of the gym that first game. And they said Kareem was old, and Kareem had like 37 points in game two. You know, and those years, Celtics had a really good bench, but they had, what I'm saying is you can have one game that's just as, team gets destroyed, doesn't matter. The next game can turn out to be a a two-point game. You know, so, but I don't think every game has a saga to it as they tried to depict those games where every game seemed to have, oh, I had, a, I had a reason why I hated this guy. I had a reason why I hated this guy. I had a reason why I hated this guy. I had this theme going on. Not every game's got a theme. Sometimes they're just finals. Sometimes they're just games. And they played a lot of great games, and they were a great team. It's really grueling to be that good for that long. That's really the, the saga, is that it's really hard to be good all those years and have everybody shooting at you. And get it done over that period of time. Get it done when you're healthy. Get it done when there's something wrong off the court. Get it done when you're mad at something. Get it done when you can't, you know, play because you're hurt or sick or whatever. And that's what those guys were able to do. And, you know, a lot of people have written about, oh, Pippen got short-sighted. I don't, I don't think so. I think, listen, he should never have stepped out of the – I understand why he felt slighted with the coach play still – Phil gets the call to play. He should have inbounded the ball. Case closed. He's wrong, 100%. He had to live with it. I understand. He wasn't running away from the shot. He wanted the shot. The point is, he didn't get the, 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 he made the shot. That's it. He, you know, he basically, the coach decided to go a different way. The coach is in charge. That's all you have to live with it. That's all there is to it. I understand he wanted to be treated like he was. The, you know, it was his turn because that was always Michael's role, so he won that role. And that year, he played as well as you could play. He led the team, and as I mentioned before, he led the team in every category, which hadn't been done in the league since Dave Cowan in the 70s. 
But you know what? He was wrong. But I think anybody who remembers those teams knows how invaluable he was on both ends of the floor to that team and how well he fit in to do the things that Jordan's strength was to take the ball and score it and, and especially take the ball and score it late. That was the weakest part of Pippen's game. He was not a last-minute short. He was not a clutch scorer. That was not his strength. He could score, and he would score 20 points every game, but that was not his strength to take the last shot because he wasn't a good shooter. The shooting was the weakest part of his game. But his defense, his ball handling, incredible defense, ball handling, length, uh, rebounding, versatility, was made him the perfect second banana to Jordan. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. That's why they were so good together. And then the other pieces that fit in, whether it was Rodman. I know Grant's disgruntled, but Grant was always disgruntled. He and Jordan had just had issues. That's all there is to it. Grant just realized he had a great run early on there and just be happy. But he's, you know, he's always t- – he and Michael just don't like each other, so you got to live with that. You know, Scotty and, and Michael are very close, and Grant and Michael aren't close. So you live with it. That's all. And you can see that you learn from that piece that Jordan holds grudges. You know, that's the way he lives his life. He holds grudges. He doesn't suffer slights well. He uses them as motivation. That's what he does. So I thought it was pretty good. I thought overall, I thought the storytelling in there was was really good. The only thing I'd say is I think sometimes they went to great lengths to create a saga for every game. And that's hard to do because not every game is a saga. Some games are a saga. The game where he's poisoned, whether he was how he was, the game whether he was flu ridden or poisoned or whatever, who knows? The bottom line is, he played great. That's the bottom line. There were games where he overcame whatever he had to overcome, and he was there to make the last shot. And then you had the moments when someone else did, or someone had to fill in, or whatever. Whether it was Paxson, whether it was Kerr, or the guys who had to contribute and do what they did. And I thought some of that storytelling was very, very good. So I thought overall, you know, I, I thought I thought it was very entertaining. It was well done. Well, perfect, but it was well done. I understand people wanted certain things. Oh, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? No matter what he did there, somebody would be looking for something else. Why didn't you include this? Why didn't you include that? Hey, it gave you plenty. But not every game was a saga. Some games were just basketball games. But you know what it was? A lot of wins. And that 72-win team, they were unbelievable. They were unbelievable. And the thing I get, I remember most about those guys was how tireless Jordan Pippen and Rodman were on defense. They were, and even Ron Harper at times, they were unbelievable on defense. Just worked so hard all the time and were in such great shape all the time. And it was very impressive. All right, you got Yankee baseball coming up with John and Susan. Casamigos Tequila, as always, brings you the program, brought to you by those who drink it. Uh, stay safe. We'll see you tomorrow. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.